Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on April 3rd, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring game world creation with a special focus on populating those worlds. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session for the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is the only non-Texan in this chat tonight, so... <laughs> you, have to, you have to say your name, Green. Oh yeah, green eyed music lover. I totally Great. left this that. Gonna... I totally, totally left that in there for the last one. Like this, and this is me. Yes. Like... <laughs> um, well, and as you can maybe guess from Green's intro, there we also have the the man who has had had many compliments given to him, but I think the one that he likes the best is the voice of the flower, Justin. Saying is Justin is still with us? Though? Is he saying though? <laughs> Just the giggles in the background. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm here. I'm finally here. Hey, guys. What's up? It's nice to be back. Just, uh, you know, nice to nice to be around and do things. Yeah. See things, which is nice. Are you seeing things? How's the seeing yeah. things doing for you? You know, I don't have the internet, so there's no snake memes. Well, there's also no Tiger Man memes then. Oh, but I like Tiger Man. <sighs> <laughs> and last but definitely not least, the hot seat as guest co-host we have with us our good friend Serena Bessos. Morgan, hey. how are you doing? Doing well. Yes, my name's Morgan. Um, I go by Serena Bessos on Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. So nice. She's got I'm, all the I'm, names. I'm She's got all the names. So hey, you is acceptable sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan, you're uh, you're a friend of uh, Josh's, right? Like, yeah, we know you through from Josh. Yes, Please. Blue blame, was actually blame Josh for this. Blame Josh for this. Well, I mean, blame Blue for this. We <laughs> that, always blame Blue. It's just too. the yeah. easiest. It's just the easiest. Makes things less complicated. But so how? Okay, my question, very first question of the whole thing is why. This is going to sound really weird. Why did Josh should suggest you? Like, what experience do you have with populating game worlds that really kind of puts you in a, a position where somebody like Josh, who is a very, very intelligent young man, young man, <laughs> young man, Josh is a young, <laughs> young, young man, 
Yeah, just like a strapping young your, lad. Your qualifications. <laughs> My. <laughs> it's been a long week, guys. Yes, yes, it has. Um, my qualifications are basically I met Josh through D and D in town. There's a place called Vigilante Gastro Game and Pubs that we met playing D and D at. I started DMing there um, after the first year, so within the second year, I am also started doing podcast work and various other live streams of um, of actual plays as well. So I do D and D. Power Valley Apocalypse games and a whole bunch of slew of one shot page stuff. And so I kind of just dived in the deep end on the creative aspect of game design and all that. So, um, yeah, um, right now I'm currently um, one of three hosts and the game masters for Power by the Players, which is Power by Apocalypse games that we run either one shots or many campaigns for. So nice. And how many players are you often generating these worlds for? Are you generating them for uh, like a small group of like maybe three or four people? Or are you doing it for like large campaign type things? So when I did D&D with Vigilante, um, av- the average table at max was seven players. Okay. So that was in like a quarter of having about seven, five to seven players. Um, when I do live streams, it's typically about four to five players. And then with my, um, power by the, po- uh, power by the players or any of my podcast work, it's usually like four to five players as well. So nice. I like keeping odd numbers for players just to make, it makes it easier for like people to play off of each other too. So, yeah. So people don't end up pairing up so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Blue. I, Hi. those are going to be my extra questions on there. What kind of questions do you have for? Uh, I don't really have any questions because I think that's going to just basically be the entire discussion is the questions. Right. <laughs> well, um, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah. That does let's... not surprise me at all. <laughs> Justin, let's do the inquiry. <laughs> I am ready. Hold what? on. Let me just. What all is, right, what's, oh gosh, Justin has, qu- oh no. <laughs> what oh, oh, are we proceed we proceed ready? justin proceed yep, yep. <laughs> you have the floor good sir oh i did never never thought blue would let us go through with this um <laughs> so, <laughs> no so um when we talk about you, you're gonna have to excuse me i'm not uh really up on like D and stuff like that when when you talk about world building for D is this is this electronic or like old school um, for me, it's more old school where like you actually plan out the world, you figure out what the plot's going, how they met, and then from there, just sort of to tell you which direction to go because you can plan things, but that nine times out of ten, they're not going to follow that plot that you're <laughs> trying to pass, and they're gonna they're gonna toss it out the window and then just make it their own ball out of paper mache and hope. Like, <laughs> yep. I love how generous she is about this. I mean, she's I'm, she's, I'm being she's honest. Being oh no, she's not <laughs> wrong at all. It's just, <laughs> paper mache is really sturdy. <laughs> oh, well, so like on how many layers you put on there? <laughs> well, fair, fair. Can we just like one so, and just like mainly just mod podge, you know, and then be like twenty <laughs> different layers, like and with like fifty second sets of like mod podge on it, like you know, straight up for a so, day. So um, when so when you're when you're trying to to create like a, a campaign for, for something like D and D do you, is it, is it a blank canvas for you to work with where you, where oh. you basically can, can send them in any direction that you want, or are you working within the framework of, of like a larger overall universe and you know, that the narrative happens in. 
Yeah. Using, so yeah, I'll go ahead. Great. I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to say, are you using like uh, specific editions and books out of that more? So I guess, are you using like the Baldur's Gate storyline or certain other storylines that have been established over the years? When I ran D and D, and sometimes when I still do, I just I don't run it as often as I run like Powerblade Apocalypse games because D and D is a good. I'm I'm sorry to sidetrack for a hot second. D and D is a good game to get people into playing tabletop games, but mm-hmm. and the the playstyle itself isn't what I want in a game. So I tend to go to more narrative playstyles, which I could probably explain later. But um, going specifically to D and D, when I uh, with where I was with Vigilante, I worked with about seven other D, uh, D- dungeon masters where we all sort of created this plot and this lore and the story together, figured out what the constraints were within the game itself. Um, this most recent um, season, quote unquote, we started for Vigilante. There's handbook. And then eventually as chapters went on, we add more playbooks because they're released. They unlock certain things, so on and so forth. So some people were like, yeah, cool, whatever. I'll just, uh, throw spaghetti against the wall and we'll just see what sticks. But I like having sort of like confines and control of what games I'm designing. Be not only be able to like keep my cats in a nice basket and they're not escaping <laughs> <laughs> because Lord, no, they do. Yeah. That's a nice way to describe it. Just players, random cats just going all over the place, wherever they want. And they're like, well, can I play this, um, this Strowlin, um, Unearth Arcana Ranger? Uh, I'm like, what? I want like, an orc okay. bard who can also do ranger stuff. It's like you do, do, do what are you doing? I'm like, Having fun. I mean, I, I mean, I respect your creativity, but within the means of D and D, no. <laughs> Gotta see if we can find something, but like. <laughs> like I like, like, I, like I, I love that you sound like like a social worker at like a at like a temp agency. We'll try to find something for you, but but we'll see, okay? Which means no, you can't. You can't be a unicorn hydra. You can't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, like the the thinly veiled impatience. It's <laughs> No, it feels like, like home. <laughs> so creative, and I really want to give him props for that. Just sometimes within the setups and the parameters that Dungeons & Dragons, for example, because we're still talking about that system in particular, the, the parameters that that system sets up, it's just, like, it's hard to, like, really push and, like, buckle someone into those, like, races and classes and backgrounds because there's only a certain set stuff and all that but Mm-mm. i mean i i ain't got time for that like <laughs> homebrew takes forever to do so, not to mention you gotta like test it out and make sure it's balanced and then like you know make sure that everything's like mm, yes no nah, i'm good Power to them i'm glad that they have the creative nitty gritties to work out the mechanics like that i just want to play the game honestly like i just want to get into a story with friends so when you're doing when you're telling your stories or when you're directing because basically that's what a dm is they're kind of directing the story right like they're the ones helping guide where everybody's going but yeah. the it's collaborative in so much as you want your players to also tell the story do you oh. how do you encourage your players to do that to as much as you're liking because i know every dm's a little different some dms are like no we're only doing battle scenes or 
whatever. I hate fights. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I'll do dungeon crawls and stuff, but that's just not my jam. But, oh, so, but to how to get my players in mm-hmm. is that I, with D&D itself, since we're still talking about uh, this design itself, I actually take from other game designs, like, building Session Zero games. So I'll, like, have Session Zeros where, like, we'll learn how the character develops, make connections. There's various... Um, that you can steal from Power of the Apocalypse games, kids on bikes, um, even ma- create town that they're starting in together, um, like you would on Kids on Bikes or any of the other. Um, I'm trying to think of, yeah, Kids on Bikes, Monster of the Week. A lot of them <laughs> have location placed, all work and develop together, so everybody has a hand in the story. I gotcha. So you're more of like a freeform theater game style yeah. okay i'm very gotcha. improv as well when it comes to stuff because they're like yeah we're gonna do this I'm like all right give me five seconds all right <laughs> let's do this like you know i just nice. i sometimes you just gotta roll the punches and be completely frustrated and locked into a system so <laughs> yeah because i mean <laughs> that's that's true. yeah no yeah i mean that's that's so true too because like that's one of the things is like as much as I love D and D, the reason I'm a big fan of D and D three point five was because we were so we our group that I usually played with back when I was playing it, we were so familiar with D and D that we would have homebrew rules that allowed us to do kind of what you're talking about, like be that flexibility of a group. And our our DM was very 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 knowledgeable about it, and so it wasn't a big deal for him to just kind of you know. We would do shenanigans all the time that should not ever happen. Um, and he was, you know, he was just fine with it. But um, I honestly think that's fine, too, because I think people who are like rules lawyers or anything like that, that just stick to the, the constraints of going around. This is how it's going to be. I'm like, well, I mean, you can't be creative within those means, but also like and in that I don't have the brain space to like remember all the rules in the 300 page play, player's handbook. So <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, is that what you can do? Okay, cool, whatever. Like, sure. And then like, if I get told later, like, oh, that's not right. I'm like, oh, whoops, my dang. Hey, guys, you can't do that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and it's like our our, theory, our our ground rule, like the one rule that we weren't allowed to break was we had to make it make sense. So like it's it yes. was just, you know, it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, if you can't technically do it, but if you can do it and it makes sense, like if you can explain it in a way, it was like, you would get at least the first time while before he could check on it. He's like, all right, whatever. It it seems reasonable. And then he'd come back and be like, okay, you can't do that again. Like out of game is always yeah. the way that we kind of always handled those. I think the one time that we actually got told no was when we tried to kill a troll by giving it a hug when one of us was on fire. Because oh, we actually, no. we, we, uh, we wrote one of our, it's like one of my favorite stories. Like, well, it happened twice is the reason we got in trouble. Um, one of our, the first time it happened, it was, it was the result of a nat one. Uh, he was our, our bard thief character was trying to throw a lantern at a troll to, that was attacking us because it was no. fire. And, mm-hmm. uh, he rolled a nat one and proceeded to dump the oil on top of himself. And he was holding the torch and he his his response was without hesitation was I light myself on fire and give him a tackle and the the DM to his credit was basically the response to his was roll a touch attack like it's like he's like I don't even know how to do this like and so we got away with it and then of course that became the staple attack of that particular character because you know <laughs> why not um, 
and 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 it was it was quickly debunked by our dm after that he's like you've killed enough trolls they figured it out it's no longer valid learned yeah yeah they they, the species figured out hey don't mess with this guy he lights himself on fire suicide monk yeah oh god that was that was my that was always my character was the the one who is hey how can i get a sneak attack in here it's mm-hmm. like the what is it? I think it was AD and D. You could sneak attack with siege weapons, and that also oh did. Mm-hmm. what really mm-hmm. doesn't that do double oh, damage? Back no, then? it does. It does like three to six times damage depending oh, on the Jesus. level of rogue. And I'll tell you what, you get you get that in with a ballista. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful <laughs> oh thing. It's a beautiful thing. You can also Just... sneak attack if you've been eaten. Uh, that is a sneak attack because what? they're not suspecting it. That's mm. how we. That's how mm. we killed. Uh, that's our, an interesting justification to make that. Happen. Uh, if something eats you, it doesn't expect a sword. Like it's like I ate you. I won. My rogue is like, nope, I'm not done yet. So Jay, you've DM'd a little bit too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So my question is for both of you: Do you come up with the NPCs? first like you're like i have this really interesting character i want to bring in do or do you start with like i need to get them to this place this location and i need somebody to tell them to get their butts going or like force their hand a little bit like are you doing it from like kind of the top down or from the bottom up (laughs) yes it it really depends on what it is (laughs) i want it i want that to happen i mean like it it depends on the situation and i'm i'm sure Mm-hmm. That's going to be the response there too. Is like it if you have a if you have a situation where you have to roll like you know because I've I, I, yeah any DM can tell you you have this really beautifully laid out campaign and within five seconds they see an, a goblin and they want to go chase the goblin and it's like that goblin doesn't have <sighs> fine we'll go chase this the is goblin. Why you don't like put like random things in the story oh, itself? Yeah, everything has to be like, thought out. They're like, what's with the book? And you're like, it's just a book. They're like, no, but what's with the what's book? What's with like, the book? Y'all. So that's that is, is a special secret, special so school. I will, I will be honest, though, as a DM, that is also one of my favorite things to do is really F with people's heads when they find <laughs> random things. They're like, we're going to roll a gather not, or gather information check on it. I'm like, it's a book. Oh, but I got a 20. It's a book. They're like, no, it can't be. I'm like, how far are we going to go down this this path? Like. It it's looks like a suspicious. Book by I PJ knew Roberts. it. <laughs> it has a black leather with a gold inlay. It has a woman's handwriting and a soft scent of like a, a floral perfume. Yeah, you know, that's what they get with the twenty lavender and rose. <laughs> it rose smells scented ink. You should scratch it. See if it smells more. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a unicorn and and it's got like a little trapper would- keeper thing on it. Lisa I would just start reading from any Nicholas Sparks novel. He <laughs> longed for her the way, the way no one could. Oh, oh, how he wished to see her face. But like, and- I guess, I guess the question too, I think Green, maybe what you're, what you're kind of looking to for that was like, how do you, do you build like from the like, um, what's the top? I think you said top down or bottom up. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the idea, I mean, because that. And, and Morgan, we kind of had this conversation too, is like, it kind of really depends on what you're going for. If you're doing like an RPG type thing, um, I find it beneficial to build from top down. Um, 
Whereas if I'm like writing a story, I I personally build from top down because it makes sense to me because I, I that's the way my brain kind of puts pieces together. Um, but I know that a lot of times because, well, the other problem is, is if you build from bottom up in an RPG or actually in a story, in my experience, you, you introduce a lot of chances for um, continuity problems because you're building from a very specific. So when I say bottom I guess I should probably explain that. If you build from bottom up, you're basically saying, okay, this is the group. They're going to go to this town. And then, you know, you've only built that town. And then as they as they continue their quote-unquote adventure or campaign, you continue to build out. So you're building literally from the bottom up. So you're building a world one town at a time, basically. Whereas if you build from the top down, you've built the world within which the party exists. The problem there is that the top-down approach, if they take a sudden right-degree turn that you weren't expecting, it can be it can you have to be able to roll with punches really well. Um, whereas if you do that with a bottom-up approach, uh, you can you can uh, accommodate for that a little bit easier. Would that would that be the best explanation of those two, Morgan? Or do you have a easier way of explaining them? For me, like I ha- like having a general idea of um, what the world is, just just a generic blank slate, don't need much, and then from there pinpointing like various like maybe like general towns, like oh this is like a port town, this is like a big city, and then going further into that, I'm like okay this is where we're going to be. So like drill hard, Jackson Pollock just throwing like paint on the wall, just sort of like okay this is what what's there, this is what it's going to be. This is where we are right now. Like I, and then from there, focus on the talent and the various like NPCs that I do place in. Some of them, like like I said, I do session zero. So in this town that will start initially, they've sort of like also probably helped develop and create as well because I like having their input on you know various things. I'm not going to say I'm a call it being a lazy GM. I don't call it a lazy being a lazy GM just because like I rather them have some sort of in the story itself than just like it all be on me like you know right like you want your characters to feel like they can affect the world whether it's in partial design or other things that are going on Mm -hmm. yeah so um for example like um for the start of season three like i my characters actually lived in a town and so like their parents owned the bakery and like you know like we had like like a point of contact for them to come back to or and various other things like that. So I, uh, I do like having a generic like blank canvas is short of like know the boundaries of the world, various points here and there, so just zooming in all the way into the town itself, and then from there picking out NPCs and whatnot. Have you ever had NPCs that got away from you, like <laughs> totally shifted and turned into something totally different than what you were expecting, uh, based um, based off of like the character gameplay or interactions? let's see here i've had a few of them shift um i think one point within D &D, I had like this like warlock or like this like not warlock um were they the ones that read the bunch of nerds the wizards wizards (laughs) the ones that read best explanation ever um um they had this wizard with them and um they were they were trying to help her out and stuff like that and then eventually uh throughout the story she actually reoccurred here and there and started becoming darker deeps of what's happening because she was just being consumed by power 
Mm-hmm. So eventually she became a nemesis to them eventually that, um, and them disappearing and all that. So that's always kind of fun though. Cause that not re- reoccurring villain, but that returning bad guy that wasn't a bad guy that I, I don't know. Just, I think it's, it's interesting reason, how there's a reason that's a popular trope. I mean, right. It's, it's like, also, oh, a, you a stole my turnip. I yeah, will <laughs> curse you. You're, someone stole your sweet, sweet bread. Um, it's also, I mean, to be fair, like from a character development standpoint, that's also kind of like a, a tacit fear that a lot of people have is like, you know, the people that you've invested time in and getting to know turn out to not be who you thought they were. I think that's the reason it, it there's a visceral connection to that uh, on mm-hmm. an emotional level. Definitely. And um, then they start suspecting everybody that they start coming mm-hmm. in, into contact with. And, the, and you know, which, which means they start which understanding is- the mechanisms. What? Exactly. I didn't say that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I totally would never encourage that type of paranoia in a character. All the time. You played White Wolf, didn't you? All the time. Uh huh. (laughs) No, now I understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I too, have played the White Wolf. It's like Talk just just safely assume that mm-hmm. everyone is out to get you. That's just the safe <laughs> assumption. Pretty much. Um, have you uh, speaking of White Wolf random? Have you ever played Apparent? I've I have, heard of it. I have. Yeah, I haven't, but I have. I have heard of it. Really I've, good. I yeah, I've heard I very, since college, very good things. So about tenish years. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> game, and I well, I enjoy superhero games. So like that's it was it was really fun. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, so I guess trying to jumping into like the design process for like populating the overall game worlds too, you know, we've talked quite a bit about RPGs. Is there like, what would you, what would you say is the big difference between designing? It's, they're not really NPCs, but they're not like primary characters, I guess would be the best term for it. It's so, like secondary characters. characters or background characters for a story. Um, what's the major difference in like a narrative setting um, as opposed to a, me- I guess a mechanical setting would be the best term for RPG. Yeah. Well, are we talking about like for like writing novels and short stories here, or are we talking about for different types of gameplay? Uh, would I, there be a I difference thinking, between the two? Yeah. I was thinking stories, but green, yeah, green has the, the better question as usual is what would the difference be between those two? Yeah, well, um, honestly, not much, because, like, with how you design NPCs, you give them a name, you give them, like, some looks, you give them some brief sort of backstories that you can pull on to later. Same with any sort of um, um, story or short short story or anything like that that you're designing. Well, you have, like, a specific look that you do want to at least readers or players that they're, you know, this is someone that, hey, I can always go back to later or, like, oh, no. I know that person. They seem like they're shady and I don't want to deal with them. I do want to delve into that. You do have some pieces of their backstory plotted out that you can eventually dive deeper on. That make sense? Is that did I answer mm-hmm. the question correctly? Yeah. Okay. Did I answer the question at all? <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things like how much you're you have to balance out how much time you're developing the character in their world out versus the time that you need them to be spending in the game world with your your player characters, right? It's, you still have to, there's, you don't have to come up with a giant backstory for Ted, the tomato farmer 
if there's only going to be one tiny scene with him, right? Mm-hmm. But you know what? Just in case Ted has a family and um, he lives in there with uh, his his brothers and their wives, and you know Ted's Ted's looking for love, but it won't be brought up unless someone asks him to, like just that sort of thing. You you have these ideas like this is Ted. He's got a strong jaw and he stands about five ten. Like you know that's really what they'll know. And then eventually they dig deeper. You have these other things that you can like pass out to them to see if they want to like. Or they're like, oh, okay, cool, and just sit it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're writing Ted's Tinder profile. <laughs> Five ten, strong jawed, strong jawed, uh, knows his way around a tomato, knows his way around a tomato. <laughs> Tender hands from all that, uh, oh, that hard work. <laughs> Is it a fruit? Hands. Is it a vegetable? We don't know. But Find Ted out together. <laughs> His passion is his fruit. Oh, it. Yes. Yes. That's a good tagline. Mm-hmm. Should have led with that, Ted. <laughs> so I, I think what I'm getting from it is the NPC can be as can can be as three dimensional as you want him to be, um, or as the player wants him to be. I guess right. Yeah, like, as someone who does the designing, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, for example, the first game I ran for season three that I had was like, all right, cool. We're going to start at a wedding. Who's getting married? What do they look like? Who's who in the situation? Like, okay, we have the old lady that lives in the cabin. We have the two little gnomes that are getting married. Their parents are the marquee, so they're coming into town. Like, you know, just like, just who's who, what do they look like? And then if they want to dive deeper, then we can, like, start pulling back some of those onion layers and revealing who they are. Do you have, like, a set number that you try to walk into any situation or any um, situation that your characters get into that you have planned out? Like, hey, they're in a bar. I, they need to know there's going to be at least three people in the bar that they're going to interact with. Or I'm going to have these basic things set up. Like, there's the shady guy in the corner of the bar. There's the bartender. There's the... Uh, the wife of the bartender and stuff like that. Like you have a set amount that you really know that you want in that situation, or is there just more of, as they scan the room, you're starting to add more characters in and developing in the, them as the player characters want to interact. I think I, I, I do the latter. I, I wait till they scan the room and then I bring in who is there. Like, oh, of course I'll like, there's the bartender or like some of the bar keeps like are, you know, running around and passing drinks out to patrons. But it really depends on the setting I'm setting, like <laughs> the, the, the the scene I'm setting. Um, mm-hmm. Is it a crowded bar that's like lively at night with music and like people hollering or dancing? Or is this a bar that's, you know, off the beaten path? It's a little more quiet and, you know, really only has regulars that come in. So it really depends on where in the world you're putting said thing. And then, you know, what's coming from it? Because you're not going to have on a random Tuesday night out in the boudonks like going on. You might. You might. It's Texas. You could. (laughs) Bonfires. You're not wrong. I mean, I mean, it's more likely the boondocks out in Texas that you'll meet a tiger. So you know, that's Oklahoma. I remember. Oh, oh, oh! I thought Justin's lying about his stats over there. Then no, no, fake news. Fake news. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Okay, so 
what about developing a book or developing characters for a book? You kind of toss that out there just a tiny bit. Um, I think it's within the same prospects. Like, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out where your story is. So once again, are you in a big tavern on a weekend in a big city where it's going to be lively and outgoing? And there's a sea of faces that you that's blurring together at one point because the drinks are hitting you hard and there's just so much chaos happening. Yeah, movies that are like that, like, uh, oh gosh, I can see them in my brain, but I don't know what scenes I'm seeing in my brain to say what movies are from. But basically, you know, where you're like this, the world, the city just rolls around you, and you're just like, oh, cool, I'm I'm alive. Not sure what's going on, but right. um, yeah, um, where am I? Words, I have them, but yeah, it really depends. <laughs> I have words; they are in my brain, bouncing around like. Boy. It's been a week. It's okay. It's, it's been, been my experience. They eventually make it out. Make it out sometimes in the, in the right order. Probably not, but they'll mm. make it out. Right? Just like Just mm, that was not that was not a qualifier that you specified. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just, most of them make it out. It's a hostage like situation. Optimistic horror movies. Oh god! <laughs> most of them make it. Out. Um, All right. Um. Not- so, I don't. The, yeah. So the writing process for me, and, and this is, <laughs> yeah. If if I could just get this thing back on track, that would just be. So the writing process for me, kind of, and this is very oversimplifying, and it might be completely insulting, but it it kind of almost feels like the choose your own adventure books from like when I was a kid. Um, almost like you you've got a. You, you do have like a direction you're trying to go in, but you have to leave yourself out and room for, for free will and choice to, you know, you can't paint yourself into a corner and then they choose the wrong thing. And then you're just, you know, tackling but ogres on fire. Is it kind of like improv strategy. though? Like, isn't it like improv that you don't necessarily say no to whatever they're saying, which can lead to some very terrible situations I get, but like when you're directing where the player characters, how often do you tell them no? Because it's real easy. The I've only DM'd a few times ever, and it's real easy to just let them dictate everything going on and let them kind of take the reins and create this absolutely insane world. But what level do you actually kind of draw that line? Where do you stop that? Um, I think when it gets to areas where like they physically can't possibly do it, like, Oh, like I'm going to let this boulder. I'm like, mm, I mean, you can try, but <laughs> good luck. I, I, you're, you're a gnome wizard. So I don't know <laughs> if you've been putting the pushups in or not, but like give it your best shot. I believe in you. <laughs> Could you assign you. him a hernia? At that point? I mean, if he rolls a one, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It just really, yeah, like, I don't like saying no, but um, I'll say, instead of saying no, just with a period, I'll say no, comma, but. Okay. Try and see, or, like, we can always give it a shot and see if it can happen. Like, I'm not I'm not going to ever, like, deny someone the creativity. Mm-hmm. Or redirect it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite story of a character taking an interaction with an NPC someplace completely different than where you intended it to go. Oh gosh. Okay. So (laughs) 
was, um, so I had these, um, I think there was like, they were both gnomes or halflings, um, of but they were getting married. Of course they were. Of course they were. God. <laughs> Let me finish my story. <laughs> it's halflings. It's always halflings. It was, I, I think there were gnomes or halflings. It was like a year ago. I don't remember at this point. Um, but they were getting married. It was, it was uh, two women. One of them was, them was named Poppy. Mm-hmm. And like, um, one of the guys instantly came smitten with with one of the women. I was like, I was like, they're lesbians and they're getting married. He's like, I don't care. I love them like <laughs> you. <laughs> and, and then and then the 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 two got kidnapped by gnolls and they had to go like basically their first level one adventure was go fight gnolls and save you know the people. Um, but he's always like Poppy, my oh love. My I'm like I'm like I was like ooh ooh kind of. That hope. Me, buddy. Yeah, right? just just uh you. <laughs> and then whenever um they they were able what to do you have and... to roll to get a restraining order. <laughs> uh maybe a knife to the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And he just he never took a pass that, thank goodness, but um because I wouldn't allow it. That's one mm-hmm. thing I wouldn't allow. I um always um in, at the beginning too always put lines and bills down as a CD precaution. Be like, okay, what's everybody's line that we're not crossing? Like can happen, but can be felled by like being in the background or mm-hmm. um safety tools in general and just checking in with them about like all that. Be like, all right, we're not hitting anybody's. Tr- you know, everybody's good. Everybody checking in. All right, cool. Avoiding triggers for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, because this past couple days on Tabletop RPG in Twitter has been... Anywho. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to get into that, but yeah. So, okay, Blue or Justin, what was your favorite story of that happening while you guys have played? Justin. So, while I've never played D&D, or I don't think I've ever played any (laughs) tabletop game, to be honest with you, and I feel like if I did, it would be... Like the Hindenburg. <laughs> it would be fun to watch. Well, no. No, wait. That wasn't. No. <laughs> we're, we're, hit, we're batting 100 tonight. So, no. I just mean it would be eventful. But um, it probably would be very frustrating for someone who is both skilled and knowledgeable about that. <laughs> so okay. blue. Blue, your turn. <laughs> what I'm hearing, Justin, is we need to run a and d game for you, so, and then see how that goes. I think only you have if a I great can, time. Only if I can make my own character. It doesn't oh, have to be my own plan. Justin has to play the bard. <laughs> Justin would play character. the bard. He would right? be named, never mind. So blue. Uh, what story? Oh God, there's so many of them. Um, I probably, I mean, most of, jeez, oh, there's like all the Star Wars shenanigans that we got up to. I probably like say Star Wars or like what's that? D twenty Star Wars. D6. Which type of Star Wars were you? D six. D six. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh jeez, I would probably say it was when we tried to convince. So back to our character who decided to give the uh, troll a bear hug while on fire. Um, he was a, a ranger type, or he had a character that was a ranger. And that was the game that I was playing a rogue. And we tricked his animal companion into going into the bag of holding that he had. 
and no. we managed to convince the dm to allow it to survive because we kept opening the flap to let air in um <laughs> and for about three like sessions we had nearly had him convinced that the animal companion had run away and like it was in his bag of holding so like we were constantly like having excuses to go and open the bag of holding so that his his animal because you know like they they're connected so you'd feel if they die and <laughs> so it wasn't dead so he was like it's not dead we're like oh yeah it just ran away and it was a wolf so none of us could actually like get in the bag of holding because it would attack us but <laughs> But we managed to keep it in like it was just in our GM. I'm pretty sure after like the after the first session, he was like, I'm literally just interested to see how far this goes, like how how long you all can keep. And it was like, I'm 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 impressed how well the group had a cohesive lie going for months because it was multiple sessions. And uh, when he finally figured out he was not happy with us. Probably not. Like, but it was it was probably one of the funnier funnier moments of of what we've done because it was he was the character that he was all we were always uh, flip flopping tricks on each other. So because like in the other campaign that we were running, he was the rogue, and so okay. my character in the D and D campaign would constantly be getting his character in trouble. And so then in our Star Wars game, his character was like the scoundrel and he would constantly be getting us in trouble that we'd have to get ourselves out of. And so it was just like this constant, like, you know, given which, which, depending on which campaign we were playing, one of us was getting the other person in trouble. And it was just how, how badly could we get each other in trouble and then get out without getting hurt? Uh, That was, that was the, the running gag, I guess, if you will. But yeah, it was. It was mostly just seeing, you know, like what what you could get away with. We were really good at that. I only ran one game ever, and it was fairly short lived. So it's been a been a while. I don't remember any of the. I don't remember. We were all inexperienced, all noobs trying to run a game together. It's not pretty. Um, no, that's but, why they have. That's why they have uh, cookie cutter campaigns. Right, which is fine, but I like to be difficult. <laughs> I don't know if you, I'm, I'm not going to comment. Know there is no, there is like no those. victory comment to make on that statement. That. I don't, That's I don't know. News. I'm going to agree with Justin. I have no idea what you're That's talking news. about. Be difficult. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm trying to think of. Look, Green, you're not difficult. You're challenging. I, I'm okay <laughs> with that. Maybe a little special. It's fine. Your prestige mode. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, fancy. Mode. Yeah. Fancy. I like it. Prestige. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, like, concentrating. Well, I, I mean, I guess the, the question, too, is, like, as far as, like, so so you said you like D&D to introduce people to uh, to role-playing, Morgan? What would, yeah, so D&D what would you like, like, what would you like to evolve them to, I guess? Is what? Uh, what's your preferred style? I, my preferred style is Pirate Body Apocalypse Games, which I'm happy to be running a podcast on now. Basically, Pirate Body Apocalypse Games is uh, is an engine 2D6 system. So basically, all you roll is 2D6 hmm. or mm-hmm. two, 2D size 6. Um, and then you add or subtract various stat numbers, um, which you probably have like at most five stats overall. Fail because... Um, one or less than six is a failure, seven and nine is mixed results, 
And then 10 plus is passing flying colors. But if you fail, you still get experience. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, because you could still try to do the thing, but you fail. But, you know, you don't get what you want now, but you'll at least get the experience to, to do not the thing. do it that way next time. So, yeah. Yeah. Or to, like, learn as a, as a person and grow and or eventually get advancement harder. points and, like, yeah, or that. <laughs> <laughs> Apocalypse, uh, Powered by Apocalypse Games has a very tons of various games like um, Mask, which is a teenage superhero game. So basically, you're playing like Teen Titans. Oh no! It's really fun. I actually <laughs> just finished running that for um, for the podcast, and you have like you know, and and what's good too about that is that you have playbooks to play off of instead of you know cl- races and classes and Mm-hmm. backgrounds and all that you just pick this playbook that says all right i want to be the doom character i want to be like raven from teen titans or like <laughs> but is it uh, raven is it, is it teen titans or teen titans go um yes um, nice that is the correct answer <laughs> i mean i had never seen boy. teen titans go but it looks cute it's amazing oh it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> you can tell who has small children <laughs> yes I, mean, I don't I've have any children, and I'd watch it. Such a spirited <laughs> debate about burgers versus tacos. Oh uh, burgers gosh. versus burgers. Yeah. You mean you haven't sat with my friends about talking about like what's what the sandwich like? <laughs> oh no, no. Justin Justin has had the what is a sandwich debate. Oh okay. I'll tell you what's not many times. Tell you a what's dog? not. Hot <laughs> <laughs> <a> dog. <laughs> That's right, Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Love you to death, but it's not a hot time. <laughs> um, but um, oh shoot, I forgot. But yeah, you'll have like mass, for example. Um, various games like called Monster of the Week, for example, where you play like a show for like Supernatural or X Files or something like that, where you'll like ooh, you basically play like the agent or like the conspiracy theorist or like the mundane who's kind of just like you're from Buffy and you're just like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> oh, there's just a there's no big deal. Like, just, I'll just be the knowledge base for the entire freaking mm-hmm. game world. It's fine. Yeah, and you have various people like that. Um, there's other games too. Um, one that I played, it's um that I really enjoy. It's called Night Witches. It's by Jason Morningstar. It's based off the uh, World War Two, I think. Um, women fighter jets from Russia. Oh yeah, yeah, Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, you play as a unit that's basically having to deal with the societal strains of, like, materials and the war. And we actually played within, like, a four-group unit. So, basically, there's, like, one big game. And there's four different tables all playing various units together. Um, We would steal each other's parts or, like, block each other in. So, Hmm. (laughs) there's, like, this, like, rivalry as well. Like, oh, well, we're the better unit than you are. Like, blah, blah, blah. Sort of thing. The I another game that I play that's like that's called Root. It's basically based off the board game. If y'all root? seen the board oh, game at all, no, I don't know that one. So there's a board root? game called Root R O O T. Oh, okay. Board game where you play as um little woodland creatures, and it's kind of it's D and D esque, where you like you'll play a creature, and then like you'll figure out like what type of creature you'll be. But, like I played the possum vagrant, so I was like a loud, obnoxious possum the whole game. It was nice. There's just various games. Like the system has gone and like thrown thrown off the deep end, and I've really enjoyed that just because the system's so 
And um, since you're given playbooks, you can just build a character within 10 minutes. And then on top of that, the games also allow for happens so like your city building and like, you know, getting to know each other because all the play play um, playbooks have connections on them. Yeah, so they'll basically be like, okay, so-and-so, um, you'll have to guess, all right, cool. I don't trust this person because of this. And then y'all will talk about the conversation like, oh, this is what happened. And so y'all have this one little bit of history together and it allow it puts it into the game itself. So it's allowed to be there. So you have it. And I have you ever played house on Haunted Hill that the, or like, oh gosh, I think it's house on Haunted Hill. There's a lot of like games out there right now that have these character, these role character type things where you have a basic, basic role and you're supposed to role play it as you play it, but it's, there's still a clear objective to it. Um, problem. Go ahead problem is is the one that comes to mind is actually one that is a little too real at the moment in this pandemic oh yeah where... i've uh oh sorry i think you're talking um for board games i think you're talking about betrayal a house of the hill yeah that one house on haunted house on the hill the netflix show but yeah. they're very similar so i understand that um i've played i think betrayal uh play uh, betrayal at Baldur's gate which is the D D S version of um house the house on the hill one Mm-hmm. It's definitely interesting because you, you you're given like your character and like your stats, and um, you have to go through and explore, and then eventually the twist happens or the omen or whatever it's called happens. Right. Go off of that with board games though that I find there's a disconnect within the story itself because role playing games you role play the story, board games you're just playing the game and trying to beat the objective. That's how I feel. This is story true. to it, but like I don't really see it doesn't really come into the forefront when you play. I mean, it can be depending on the group. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely could be. But for the most part, people are like, all right, cool. Um, I'm just now I'm the betrayer. Now let me just read this. And um, I'm to get like to this one point so I can summon the demons. Like, all right. Um, yeah. And we're going to do this thing. Like, all right, cool. (laughs) Unless you're playing diplomacy. Oh, I've heard that game breaks friendships. It does. It's Monopoly beautiful. breaks friendships. <laughs> that is no, also Monopoly, true. No, Monopoly ruins families. Diplomacy oh, just ruins easy. friendships. Uh-huh. Trying to think of, there's so many other ones out there. Like one of them that I used when I was teaching was uh, Once Upon a Time, which oh, I love Once Upon a Time. Right? It's a really cute, really easy to use card game slash storytelling game. Yeah, it's a storytelling game. That's what I really liked about it, too, is because it is a storytelling game, because you're participating, working together to actually, like, that's what I, that's what I love about, I like using that sort of aspect within my, my game design, too, because I, I want everybody to, like, feel like they're part of the story. Using something like that definitely could help. Maybe I should look into using it for a game eventually, like, maybe building lore or something off of the stories that we tell. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys want to wrap up this particular session and then jump right back into uh, like a more detailed breakout of the different styles as far as like um, tips and tricks for the collaborative and mechanical stuff? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, do you guys or uh, Morgan, do you have any shout outs for for us for this for this episode for the intro episode? Oh, um, you can just follow me on Twitter at Serena Bezos, S-I-R-E-N-A-B-E-S-O-S. Shout out your podcast again for our listeners. Oh, oh yes. 
No problem. Um, I'm part of the role playing network with uh, Powered by the Players, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse uh, game actual play podcast where we have a rotating cast of diverse players. Nice. Justin, do you have any shout outs? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What up? Uh, shout out to Blue and Green and Morgan, a.k.a. Serena, for, for putting up with me tonight, even though I know next well, I don't know next to nothing. I know nothing about the topic. Um, and uh, yeah, big shout out to my son, who is the the one of the newer Focus Fire Chat fans. I was literally on on Spotify, kind of you know scrolling through trying to find some music, and and Focus Fire Chat episodes were were like just littered through my Spotify recents. And turns out he's been like stealth listening to back episodes. For about like three months now. Oh, yeah, mean, a little bit longer than that. So it's a uh, sign. It's a sign. It, Justin. it is. It, it caught me. It caught me right in the feels, and I, I, I said, "Man, I gotta, I gotta catch up with those guys." So I, I appreciate y'all letting me jump right back in, even though yeah. I don't know that I added much. I might have subtracted a little. So <laughs> math is um, hard. It's good. But any, anyways, yeah, yeah, and then shout out to pins and. And everyone in chat and everyone's been awesome, you know, uh, kind of welcoming, welcoming me back, you know, after my, my long uh, walk in the wilderness. So love you guys. It's great to, great to see everybody. We missed you, Justin. Um, right back at you. Mm. Uh, shout outs for me. Shout outs kind of just in general out there to the entire cosmos at this point. That it seems like even though everything's super, super crazy going on in real life, I've seen more happiness from people. There's like obviously pockets of like the going on, but I've seen more happy, happy news and people having good, good reactions, good reconnections with family, good reconnections with their spouse or their partner or whatever, which is awesome. And yeah. We are going to get through all of this BS together. It's not going to be pretty, but we're going to get there. Blue, your turn. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to just double down on what Green said, and then also welcome welcome Justin back. Hopefully, we can yeah. we can get a uh, get a habit building for him. You know, maybe we yeah. can get him back next week. If if you not, know, then I'll, I'll just I'll just uh, message his little one and tell him, hey, start listening to episodes again. And start bugging your dad. You know, we need structure. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get you added back to the show notes so you can see the structure. Tim Fort? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't look at it before, so yeah. this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is very helpful on your part. <laughs> I think there was uh, yes. like two or the, three weeks the, when yeah, Blue the, was Blue was underwater at work for like two or three weeks, and I had to actually write the show notes. And even when I wrote the show notes, still didn't look at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Justin, did you deal. open the show notes? The what? The show notes. What are uh-huh. those? <laughs> They're color-coded. Well, that sounded like it took a long time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, we missed you, Justin. <laughs> no, I missed you guys too, man. But so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great to be back. 
And go ahead, Liz. Okay. Well, as always, thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.